Uh, being evangelistic is not the easiest thing in the world. I know that. We've been talking about that for uh, last couple weeks. Um, for a lot of people, it is counterintuitive to go and just talk to a random person or even a person that they know. Uh, it's not something that they do, right? I know for a fact that we have plenty of people in our audience today that would consider themselves um, introverts, maybe even antisocial. Uh, speaking out for any reason just isn't something you're comfortable with. And it's not that you don't care about people, but also if you could maybe not deal with people, you would choose that option. Anybody kind of feel like that? I, oh, I've got some hand raises. I didn't expect that, but okay. Wait a minute. We're on this road to recovery. Um, it's maybe some of you are extroverts like me. I'm not sure that any of you are quite like me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or, or bad thing, but... Uh, um, Maybe making friends and having conversations with new people isn't a daunting task. Maybe it's something that's exciting to you. But even if you're an extrovert, evangelism can still... Whoa, that got louder. Uh, even if... Hello. Even if you're an extrovert, evangelism can still be something that is extremely intimidating because a lot of times extroverts like to be liked, right? We want to make friends. And approaching a topic that uh, can be at times... Um, what am I trying to say? Um... A topic that might rock the boat isn't the most comfortable thing in the world. We don't want to rock the boat. We want people to like us. So let's not be controversial. That's the word I was looking for. And, and be liked instead. And, and uh, I don't want somebody to think ill of me, so might as well just keep it PG and happy topics all the time. The problem is, as we've talked about, the problem is that, as we already know, humans have an intrinsic value that God has given them, and he cares deeply about that. And... We also have a duty to multiply in our number. We have a duty to, to share, to evangelize. And so we can't really sit back in our, our comfort zone and say, well, I'm not okay, with, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't like to do this. Or um, I love talking to people, but I don't want to upset anybody. God never said, hey, that'll give you a pass. That's an excuse to get by. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4 today. There's only one option for us, and that's to accept the call that God has played on our lives or placed on our lives. Genesis 12, 1 through 4 says that the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land and I will show, that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram, as we also know, becomes Abraham, was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai, who we know becomes Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions that they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So what do we learn from this? Here's the first thing we learn. God at times in life is going to call you outside of your comfort zone. He's going to ask you to do something that you might honestly rather not do. But just because you're not comfortable with it or just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean that we get a pass. We don't get to tell God, God, I really don't want to do this. I really don't feel comfortable with it, so let me out of it. And we're going to see some examples where people actually tried that, and guess what? It doesn't work out. Now, believe it or not, God never promises you or me or anybody comfort. Okay? And, and 
hold on. <laughs> Let's listen all the way through this before we talk about it. I'm pretty sure God comforts me, okay? Yes, God comforts you. But, but what I'm talking about is God never ensures that throughout your life you're always going to be in a place where you're just feeling great about things, where you're not uncomfortable, where you don't feel a little bit awkward. So God never promises constant comfort to us. He promises provision. He promises company. He even promises reward. But never, not one time did God say, and for the rest of your days you will be comfortable. For the rest of your days, everything I call you to do, you will like. For the rest of your days, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. God has never said that. See, evangelism is no different. God has a history of calling people outside of their comfort zone to accomplish his will. And at times, he's going to call you to evangelize to somebody, to step outside of your comfort zone, to, to speak with somebody, or to give of something that maybe you're not the most comfortable giving of. And it's our job to accept that call, to hear God and to follow his will. Now, whether or not we choose to do what God has asked us to do makes all the difference in the world. And again, it's kind of one of those barometers of how strong our relationship is with God and how strong it is with Christ. The stronger our relationship, the more trusting we are of him, the more likely we are to say, God, I don't know what you're having me do here. I don't know about this. I don't really necessarily want to do this. I don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyways. In this passage, God calls Abraham to leave the only country he's ever lived in to leave his father's household, to take all of his possessions, to take his wife, and to go start brand new. Now, in this day and age, this is like, right? Families lived together in giant complexes, sometimes in the same house. They were tight-knit. And here we have God telling Abraham, you have to leave the comfort of your father's house. Now, that's a big deal because, listen, the father, especially in this day and age, is responsible for everything. Right, He's responsible for providing for the family. He has all of the duty of taking care of the household. And so Abraham has a good setup here. Right, His needs are taken care of. He doesn't have a lot of stress. He's not looked at as, hey, you're responsible for providing for all of this. And God is saying, this is going to be your new task. You're going to be responsible for your own people group. And not only that, you have to leave your family. You have to go far away from them. You have to go to a country that you've never been to, and you're going to settle there. Now, a lot of us think about that, and it's terrifying, right? If God called you right now, today, to pick up everything that you have and move to Russia, how many of us would be like, all right, I'm going to do it, right? Abraham packed up his stuff, took his nephew with him, said, hey, I'll take more responsibility, and he went on his way. I felt like if God called me to go across country, the first thing I would have to do is convince my wife. Uh, I I would assume that he would call both of us and give us both the peace about that feeling. But I'd have to convince her and the logistical aspects of it, and i got to pack everything, and how am I going to ship it all, and how am I going to take everything with me, and it's difficult, right? And so here God is calling Abraham to leave everything that he has ever known behind. At the, the young age of 75 years, Abraham takes his wife and his nephew, and he moves along his way. Let's look at other examples in the Bible, right? So Moses, God called him to lead and speak on behalf of the Israelites with Pharaoh. And the one thing that historians will tell you about Moses, the thing that they think about Moses, is that he had a speech impediment. Whether that would be a stutter or a lisp or whatever it was, there was something in the way that he talked that he did not feel comfortable with what it was that he was doing. And he didn't want to go and speak on behalf of everybody. He didn't want to go and lead a crowd. He didn't want to speak to Pharaoh. He didn't want to be that person. And so we look at Exodus 4, 10 through 16, and Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. 
The Lord said to him, listen to this, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. See, there are things in life, there are times when we are called to do things with God and we don't know how to do them. God, I don't know how to do this. Like I would talk to somebody about Jesus, but what if I screw it up? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. What, if, what happens if I get in this situation? What happens if they ask me a question I don't know? What happens if they challenge me? What happens if they know the Bible better than I do? Because you can run into that a lot in life too. And, and I don't want to do it because of all these reasons, all these reasons. And yet, will God not give us the words to say? Sometimes in order to speak the best way that we possibly can, we have to listen. We have to listen. And sometimes the answer when we get in those situations is a simple, I don't know, or I'll try to figure that out. But not being comfortable, not being some biblical scholar, not feeling like, hey, I know everything is not an excuse not to do what God has called us all to do. In 13, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else. Even after all this, even after God says, I'm going to give you the words to say. Isn't it I who created you? Isn't it me who gave you your mouth? Isn't it me who gave you the talents and placed you in the place that you are to be? Isn't it me who saved you from death? Who got you sent down a river in a basket and had you picked up and, and, and put into the Pharaoh's household and had you become an educated person? Moses wasn't a dummy. He just didn't like to speak in front of people. He had lots of gifts that made him qualified, but he focused only on the things that made him not qualified. And at times, I think we as human beings do that too much. We have so many things working in our favor, but we tend to focus on the few things that we're not good at. Right? Well, I'm not good at that, so I, I can't do it. Right? When God called me to be a pastor, the first thing I thought was, I don't have a filter. Like, I do not have a filter. I think it, I say it. If I could tell you how many times in life my mom said, you should probably think before you speak, I'd have at least $10. Just kidding. I, don't, I never said anything about money. It's been a lot. Okay, it's been a lot. My best gift is, thinking, is, is speaking before I think. It's just saying, hey, this came to my mind. You should hear it. And guess what? The f first thing that comes to my mind, most people shouldn't hear I, I mean, I'm just admitting, I'm not like the most pure individual. Uh, I've explained my background. There's, there's some rough spots in here, right? God's still sanding edges out and still making things purified, and, and it's a process working, and I know I've been forgiven, and I know I've been sanctified, but I haven't been perfected yet. And so sometimes I think things that I think, mm, pastors should not think that way, or pastors should not say that. That's me, God called me to preach. I have no doubt about that. And I haven't always wanted to be the pastor. I haven't always wanted to be a pastor. God first called me to preach. I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. Call someone else to preach, God. I don't want to do it. I like numbers. I don't want to talk to people. I want to make that money. Right? But God didn't say, hey, this is what you want to do, and that's what's going to provide you comfort, and so I'm going to let you do that. God said, I'm calling you to do something else. I'm calling you to do something for me. And I tried to swim around those things. I, I tried all sorts of things. I switched my major uh, five different times. I felt like God was calling me saying, hey, you need to really dive into this. You need to, to 
transfer somewhere, either SBU or Evangels, find somewhere and learn about the Bible. Learn how to read it. Learn how to dissect it. Learn what it's saying to you in different places. Learn languages. Do all these things. Like, I felt that call, but I didn't want it. And so my freshman year, I, I went from engineering to pre-medicine to education to all kinds. Like, I switched it four or five times. And nothing was comfortable. I felt a lot like Jonah. Like, hey, I don't want to go there, so I'm going to try all these other different paths, and I'm going to run in a different direction. And each time I got there, it was just God saying, like, hey, this is not for you. Remember, I called you to go that way. I called you to go that way. And so we have to be able to, to do things like that. We have to be able to accept that call. We have to be able to step beyond our comfort zone and to deny self and say, I'm doing this because that's what God has called me to do. Over time, I have developed a filter. I have become more comfortable with speaking in front of people and with understanding what a pastor is and what call God has placed on my life, and now I desire it, where in the beginning I didn't. Now, it took me saying, even though I want to do this, I'm not going to. I'm going to follow your way, God. I'm going to follow your will, God, and as things started to progress, I feel like God has put in my mouth the words to say, and he has guided my steps and helped me make decisions, and he's given me a great partner to help keep me grounded and to keep me focused when I only want to buy a truck or a new boat or focus on the toys that I can have, right? But God didn't call me to a life of comfort. He called me to a life of service. And I can tell you that I'm most comfortable when I'm in God's will. Verse 14, the Lord's anger again burned at Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to people for you, and it will be as if your mouth and his, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Right? So here's Moses. I don't want to do it. Well, you're going to do it. I'll help you. Still don't want to do it. Fine, here's somebody else. Never once did God say, all right, go on your way. Let's look at the disciples, just real quick, the disciples. None of the disciples were biblical scholars, okay? None of them. Most of them were lay people. Andrew and Peter, they were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Simon was a radical zealot. His, he was a political zealot. He wanted to inspire rebellion among the Jews. He wanted them to uh, rebel against the Roman Empire, like anti what Jesus was doing. He wanted to, to fight physically, and he, he wanted to lead this revolution. Thomas and Nathaniel, they say, are, were m- most likely fishermen as well. Now, it's assumed that Philip and James, uh, the son of Alphas, and Judas Thaddeus were tradesmen of some sort, carpenters, uh, construction workers, masonaries, something along those lines. Even Judas. Uh, Judas was in charge of the group's finances. Now, We don't know exactly what he did, but we're assuming that it was something along the lines of banking for him to be good with numbers and good with money and given that responsibility. These were men who were used to working for everything that they had. They were used to putting in the hours and the time to provide for themselves and to provide for those around them, and yet God called them to a new life. And God said, hey, I'm going to send you out, and you're going to take nothing with you. We're going to look at that. You're going to take nothing with you. And everybody around is going to provide for you, and you're going to have to depend on others while you are depending on me, while you put your faith and your trust in me. It was counterintuitive to everything they thought they would ever do. And God, Jesus came, and he took a hold of them, and he changed their life direction. 
right? Maybe God is just fine with your profession, but maybe he's calling you to do something else in service for him, and you just have to be willing to accept it. And you just have to be willing to take a step towards it and saying, God, this is your will. It's what I'm going to do. See, even though comfort was never a guarantee for any of these individuals, even though comfort's not a guarantee for us, God provides. He provided for them. He will provide for us. God blesses those who accept the call. Genesis 12, 2 and 3 uh, says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples of the earth earth will be blessed through you. This is right after he he calls Abraham to pick up and move, right? Abraham, if you pick up and move, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make your name great. The rest of the world is going to have a connection to you, right? We know in scripture at one point he tells them that your descendants will number with the stars. And so God blesses us when we accept his will. When when we accept the call, there's a blessing there. There's a reward there. In Abraham's case, um, he was promised notoriety and bounty. There was a monetary gain here. In order for him to have a great estate, right, he can't be broke. That's just logical thinking. In order for Abraham to have the great estate that God had given him, he was not a broke individual. We get rewarded too. Not necessarily monetarily, not necessarily, necessarily with notoriety, right? But one thing I know that we have beyond a shadow of a doubt is peace. God rewards us with a peace that only he can give. When we accept God's call and fulfill his will, regardless of the outcome, we receive peace. If you step out and you fail at something, right? If you know that, hey, God has called me to do this, but it just doesn't quite work out the way that you wanted it to work out, you can still have the peace that only God can give knowing that you did what he asked you to do. And that's a gift that we all receive, that we all receive. Peace that only God can give. Jesus instructs his disciples, um, and we just talked about this, but listen, this is what he's telling them as he's sending them out. He says in Matthew 10, 9 through 15, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter their home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If you're accepted... If what you have to say to somebody is accepted, find peace there. If they reject you, take your peace. That's not theirs. That's not theirs. Your peace is yours to have always. When you obey the call, when you follow the will, peace is yours. No matter what the outcome, no matter... Somebody says, I've never been told this before. Tell me more about Jesus. I want to follow him. Or whether they say, you're nuts, you're crazy, you, you're not strong enough to get through life alone, so you have to depend on this imaginary God. And don't know if anybody's heard that before. I've heard it a number of times. Right? Or whatever else they may say, that peace, still yours. At the end of the day, they accepted it, they rejected it. I did what God has called me to do, and I will rest in that peace that he has given me. He goes on to tell them, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home 
or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Then he tells them later in the chapter, verses 19 and 20. But when they arrest you, because why? We will face persecution when we act on behalf of Christ behalf of God. We will face persecution. When they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. God will give you the words. Again, we see it. Later, 29 through 33, same chapter, Matthew 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That right there, God will take care of the sparrow, right? Nothing happens to that sparrow as long as God has his hand on it. And yet, are we not worth so much more in God's eyes? The answer there is yes. We are worth so much more in God's eyes. God is going to take care of you. God is going to take care of you in these instances. Know your worth and also know the importance because it says right here, if we act like we don't know who Jesus is in front of other people, he's going to not know us when it comes time to say, yeah, yeah, dad, that one's mine. Yeah, open, let them in. They, they belong to me. If you reject him constantly, why would you expect him not to reject you? See, people may resist what you have to say. They might reject you. Here's the thing. Shake off the dust, baby. Shake off the dust. Brush your shoulders off. Start again if at first you don't succeed. All that stuff. Good, great song lyrics. Okay? Shake the dust off. If people reject you, you've been rejected. But you still followed the will of God. You still followed the will of God. Accept the call. Whatever happens, don't lose peace, okay? Don't lose peace knowing that God has gifted you that to fulfill his will. Regardless of what happens, it's yours. Regardless of what happens, it's yours. Now, here's the thing. You may feel completely awkward when trying to evangelize. You may be so far out of your comfort zone that at times you're petrified with fear. You may not like any instance of it, but I can guarantee you this. Afterwards, you will feel peace like none other. In my life, I have experienced the inundation of endorphins on numerous occasions for numerous reasons. Okay, but I will tell you this, that nothing, nothing has ever compared to the feeling that I have felt after fulfilling the will of God. Nothing has ever felt better than me saying, God, I feel you calling me to do this, and so I'm going to go do it. And in doing that, I mean, cloud. Not, there's got to be like a cloud 12, you're on cloud 12. It's way above cloud nine. It's something that only God can give you, and it's absolutely amazing. There's just something about being in line with God's will for your life that brings peace and joy like nothing any of us have ever experienced before. And I, I will promise you, test me on it. You can come back next week and say, I did what God wanted me to, and I hated it. Okay? If that's the case, I'll give you your money back. Just kidding. You haven't paid me. Right? So, I know. I know it can be scary. I know it can be uncomfortable. I'm not always great at it either. 
But I can tell you that it's always worth it. I've never regretted it. And each time I do it, it gets easier. As R2-D2 once said, do or do not, there is no try. Kidding. I'm joking. It was Yoda. It was Yoda. I know it was Yoda. I had to... I had to see if anybody was still paying attention. We had a few. Uh, I know it was Yoda. Everybody relaxed. There was a poster in math class in high school. Okay, so do or do not, there is no try. But here's the deal. When it comes to sharing our faith, we just have to do it. You can think about it. You can wish you would have done it. You can intend to do it. All that's good. But until you do it, it does not matter. Until you do it, it does not matter. You have a gift and you have a peace and a joy that will come to you. Do not hesitate any longer to share what it is that God has given you in life. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for everything that you have given us. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the fact that you have equipped us, whether or not we feel equipped, to share your love and to share your gospel and to go to others and and to tell them about who you are. God, at times when we don't know what to say, you will give us words. You tell us that. And you will give us peace, Lord, that only you can give, that regardless of the outcome, will be ours. So allow us to be a group of people, a church that doesn't hesitate any longer, that says, I will accept the call that God places on my life. God, help us to see the application of this beyond just evangelism. God, you call us to do numerous things throughout life, all sorts of things, things that at times we're not comfortable with, things at times that we just don't want to do. But Lord, we will receive your blessing when we follow your will. And I pray that you make us a group of people who can't sit still when, when you call. Help us to be a people who has to react, that doesn't ever get comfortable with ignoring your word. Help us to be a church that sees others and sees their value and sees the duty that we have to share the good news that we've been given and to share the gift that we've been given. Let us not be people who would deny you in front of others for our own comfort. Help us to be people who will be bold and courageous and trust you in times when you call us to reach out and to speak to who you are into what you've done in our lives. God, we ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen. We're going to sing a few more songs. We'll take offering. You know the drill, so to speak. If you need to pray with me, I'll be right back over here. Come pray with me. If you're not a member of this church and you want to become a member of this church, we want you to become a member of this church. We would be honored to have you join our ranks, so to speak. Maybe you need to talk about salvation. Maybe you need to talk about solutions to, to rejecting God's call. Maybe that's been something you've struggled with in life. Whatever it is, don't leave today without accepting the call that God is going to place on you now if he does so. You can sit where you're standing all day. You can just stay there. Or you can choose to let today be one of the first times or the next time that you move when God calls you to do so. Don't ever leave this place with something unresolved, okay? Otherwise, stand, let's worship God. Let's worship God this morning.